0: Through, your, through our precious Saviour we pray. Amen. That was perfect timing, uh, Melissa, putting up that last um, that last slide, reflection. I was uh, sort of really taken by the the sort of dual meaning there. It was not just reflection on the lake, but it really was for us a time of, of uh, great reflection, particularly me. And, and that's what I want to I share this morning about. I don't... Uh, it's a little bit of an unusual sermon this morning. Rather than being, you know, looking exegetically, exegetically at anything, just want to really reflect on what the Lord did um, in my time on the walk, and and hopefully the Lord will use that to, to really um, speak with 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 many of you, uh, speak to many of you about things that may have happened in your life. And I really want to talk about upheaval. I love this photograph. I um, found this during the week. It's uh Borclues, uh, I think last weekend, and those cliffs are something like 60 metres high, and I, I can imagine that uh, the people living in those houses um, were quite shocked to see the waves breaking upon their houses. In fact, many of them you know, had water in their houses. Quite phenomenal, 200 foot, 60 metres above the ocean, being inundated with water. Upheaval. All of a sudden, life is just you know, life takes a different turn. I was thinking, uh, you know, many of us. I know Danny and and Sandra are very keen gardeners. I was just thinking, you know, just how how wonderful and peaceful it, it is. You know, when we can just you know see see the beautiful works of our hand and just have these times of serenity and peace, just sitting in our gardens. You know, just at peace. That's what life's like sometimes, isn't it? You just it's just life's peaceful, you know, it's, it's, um, they're just nice times. But all of a sudden, you know, like in that garden you feel like a bobcat, you know, the tractor shaking and, and all of a sudden just plows through the fence and all those plants are just torn up and, and all of a sudden you think, what's going on? You know, the nice garden that we've created is, is just in ruin and, and our lives are just in turmoil. Life as we knew it, the garden as we knew it, will never be the same again. Now, just, just reflecting on upheaval. Because sometimes it, it feels like this in life, doesn't it? That it's, it's an upheaval. Things were going well, but out of nowhere, this series of events happens that just throws life as we knew it into complete disarray. Now, you hardly have time to process one thing that's going on in the garden. <laughs> Before everything, something else happens, another event happens and another, they descend. And as people of faith, we have this extra dimension, this extra filter to work through that is, you know, why is God allowing this to happen? Why is God allowing this upheaval? I think it would be so nice to get a word or a letter direct from God explaining why such bad things are allowed to happen in our lives. And, and more on that later. Now, a week into our walk, Melissa and I, as as Melissa um, mentioned, found ourselves at Elaine Lake. It's called, and it was a bit of a bonus. We tried unsuccessfully to walk out the day before, and then I just said, "Oh, let's just stop." And so it was a bonus. We expected to have walked out. It was really nice. You know, we'd run out of puff, and finally. The clouds parted. It was um, after six out of seven days in snow. It was just lovely to just have this reprieve. And as I say, it was a bonus because you know, we, we hadn't sort of expected to be there. And, and because it was morning and, and we, we sort of, um, was our last day, we thought we're not in a hurry to get going. We just slowed down. It was nice. It was nice after a few days ago. You know, we can't keep going. Let's just enjoy ourselves in this place instead of just seeing everything as a blur. And I found myself actually being able to slow down. It was, it was unusual. It was rare for Andy to slow down. And I found myself unintentionally reflecting on the last few years. You see, I've been really blessed to be able to go to this particular walk, the John Muir Trail, since 2009. I've pretty much gone every year And the reason I went was so important. Melissa at the time realised I was really struggling at Newtown Mission and and she she realised that I wasn't the Andy she married. She said this to me, you're not the Andy I married. Um, I'd gone from being a, a, a real outdoorsman, really just full on outdoors, someone who embraced life with a passion, I'd gone from that to this unfit, um, tired shadow of my former self. And, and, and you know, Melissa said, this is not the Andy I married, I want him back. And it was true, I mean, that Andy you know, that I was. I, I had, as a single man, I had the, the great joy of wandering through the, um, you know, the, the gorge country in, in Armidale for weeks on end with huge traps on my back, just, just having a ball outdoors. A true blue mountain man. Now I'm a true blue mountains man. But then I was a real true blue. I was a mountain man. I, I you know just such a such a, so embraced life so much. But I'd gone from that to this. I was married, three young kids. Found myself over my head in the inner city. What did I know about the inner city? Let alone ministering in the inner city. And and I was definitely not the Andy that Melissa married. And ministering a great wisdom and great personal sacrifice, said, "I want you to go." It was the best Christmas present I ever got. I want you to go for two weeks every year. Just go. Just do whatever you need to. And at the same time, one of the pastors in Newtown gave me this book, Classic Treks, the most spectacular walks in the world. And number one was the John Muir Trail, and I never got to number two because so I just I loved the place so much. It was like a gift from God. Exactly what I needed at just the right time, and, and quite often the walk came around as as God orchestrated it just when I needed it. When I sort of felt like I, it was just you know getting on the plane was like Phew, made it. And, and quite often as I you know w- would take off, I realized well I've got no phones, no contact. I just have to walk away from everything, and, and it was it was. Quite important to do that because I was you know, feeling so overwhelmed with, with ministry. I just felt you know, things were put in their proper perspective. Things that seemed so enormous when I was in Sydney, as I was taking off and found myself in this fantastic country, things weren't as big and as important. And God, in a sense, was able to minister to me. And and Melissa got her Andy back too, you know, when I came back. It was wonderful. But sitting there a couple of weeks ago, it finally struck me. Things had changed. Because usually when I did these walks, I'd go back thinking, well, I can go back to Sydney now, go back to inner-city ministry, you know, charged, fully pumped for, for another season. But sitting there a couple of weeks ago, it struck me. Things have changed. I wouldn't have to go back. I wouldn't have to endure another round of inner city ministry. That's finished. And the thought gave me a great sigh of relief, I must admit. Wow, I don't have to go back to that. This is fantastic. I get to go back to Blackheath. But then it finally hit me. It finally hit me. I was no longer at Newtown Mission. They told me this would happen. They told me that a few months down the track it it would finally hit me. That season was over. You know, But since finding out in August last year that it was going to be over, it has been a major upheaval in our lives. You know, not only did I have to sort of deal with that and, and, and the, you know, not only that, but the Lord was not letting me finish with a whimper. It was probably the four most insane months of, of my time at Newtown, the, the, the four months before I actually left. But then there were the other things that was happening, you know, trying to work out where God was leading me and trying to push doors and pray and, 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 and really wondering. You know, and, and many of those doors didn't open, it's just extra stuff. And then you know, even when God wonderfully opened doors here at Blackie's, there's the practicalities, you know, finding a house, the school, the, the extra things that are thrown there. You know, trying to fit in ten visits here, you know, before I even you know, when I was still at Newtown, it was just many, many things were happening. It was upheaval. And once I started here, trying to get my head around, you know, blackheath, busy, busy, busy. In hindsight, it was like God organized and orchestrated this trip three weeks ago because he had some unfinished things unfinished business with me. You see, after 12 years at Newtown Mission, I'd like to hope, I'd like to think I ended well. I'd like to hope that I finished well. But the truth is I didn't finish perfectly. And as I was wandering alone in this forest this morning, I really felt God stop me. And for about the next hour I felt his, his, the Holy Spirit just convicting me. What do I mean? Well for an hour as I allowed God to do what he needed to do he would remind me of times when I hadn't reacted so wonderfully to a situation where I may have spoken negatively a little bit too much about somebody for a bit too long. Times when I hadn't responded to his prompting to call someone or pray for someone or visit someone. Times when I would justify what I did when I really felt him asking me to do otherwise. Or worse, times when I was just so disappointed with what God was doing, that I was sort of harbouring bitterness towards God at how he was running things, why he allowed things to happen. Things like that God took me through. Things that only God knew about. No one else was aware of any of these things. I, I'd forgotten most of them. No one else needed to be aware and, and more importantly there's nothing so bad that I'm talking about, that you need to be worried. It was just a whole stack of times that the Lord said, you know, you need to deal with this. You can't take this forward. It says in Psalm 51, 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. You know, I actually, as I allowed myself, I was was torn apart by the realisation that God was bringing these things up in my life. Lord, you are right. These things aren't right for me to be doing. These things aren't you know, proper for someone who's your child to be harboring bitterness and, 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 and to be having these things against. You know, you've got these things against me. And tears flowed, as Melissa said, in a way they hadn't flowed in a long time. It was beautiful. It was actually beautiful. I, I, have, I very rarely cry in front of Melissa, but I just found it was just it was so healing, just to, to share, you know, just to be able to be so vulnerable, to to sort of share what God had done in my life, and and it was a good thing. They were good tears. I realized I was like on holy ground, and again, Psalm fifty-one, seventeen: My sacrifice, God, is a broken spirit; a broken and contrite heart, you, God, will not despise. It was a beautiful offering to God these tears that that as I allowed myself to be convicted of these times when I hadn't acted so well, I I sort of hadn't had an opportunity to reflect on them but but as the Lord allowed this to happen, I claim this beautiful promise from 1 John 2, 1-2. If anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you know what, I found myself after I don't know how many years claiming the blood of Jesus poured out so that my sins could be purified. I could be purified from all sin. It was beautiful. It was a a wonderful time of of healing, a wonderful time of of hope. I, I was just filled with so much hope. I thought, I'm so glad God's able to minister to me. I felt completely released from the former season there's no res- residual resentment or, or bitterness or unresolved stuff it's just all i long for is the lord to bless them and bless us i felt like that prayer time was was allowing me to have a clean slate and i now fully embrace the next season no residual baggage no nothing between God and myself Jeremiah 2911 Has come up regularly. It's one of those verses we know really well, but it's just—it's something I hold on to, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's a great verse, isn't it? It's one of those verses that we always just cling to. That God always wants to bring good in our lives. As James said this morning, you know, God works everything together for good. We quote it regularly as a verse to encourage us, but in context. In context, it's a harsh rebuke for this stubborn nation of Israel to get right with God. This harsh rebuke that God's brought around some pretty hard situations and and it's highly unlikely that we'll ever have a major upheaval like that in our lives that they went through. But I think the principle's the same. The Lord always has the best plans in mind for his people. However, he also knows more perfectly than us what's going on. He knows more perfectly than us why things are happening. And I think as I reflected on what the Lord was able to do in my life, did this passage, Jeremiah 29, 1 to thirteen, ministered to me even more deeply than just that one verse, than just verse 11, as I allowed the Lord just to use this verse to, in a sense, deal with the past so that I can have bright hope for the future. And Melissa and... and, and And my, in a sense, it was like a a, a bit of a, what do you call it, like a bit of a, it's a verse we, in a sense, that that gave us a lot of strength. It was strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. It really kept us going on the walk. It was like strength for today, but, but that next part, bright hope for tomorrow. Deal with the past and you've got hope for the future. So let's take encouragement first of all that God was and is in our upheaval. Let me just read verses 1 to 4. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans, had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisar, son of Shephan, and to, even I struggle with these names, and to Gemariah, son of Hilichiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar, in Babylon, not great with jet lag. <laughs> it, said, it said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That verse 4 states, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, As much as they'd like to think otherwise, God's acknowledging that he has allowed this upheaval in their lives. He orchestrated the upheaval. They'd like to think otherwise but God allowed it and in this particular situation he wants to use this upheaval to refine their faith. And I think for us difficult times come into our lives but the Lord is always in the midst of the upheaval. Thank you for those songs this morning about you know, even though the storms come, the Lord is in the storm. He can use these upheavals to even refine our faith. That we can be even more, I think about Job, You know, when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. That whatever we go through, God can use those situations to refine us, to make us more Christ-like. Now, sometimes we are in the upheaval, as, as Melissa mentioned with my cousin in America. She's in an upheaval because of someone else's irresponsibility and abusive actions. Often, though, as, as I said, we, we need to examine our reactions because sometimes our reactions may have been less than perfect. We can do better. God says, you know, we can do better. It takes a lot of humility, doesn't it, to admit maybe I didn't act. So Christ-like. We need to find time to ask this of God. This is from Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sure, others may be at fault. Sure, the circumstance may be beyond our control what about me? I need to take responsibility for my reactions, for my thoughts. Search me, Lord. See if there is any offensive way in me. And I think as I read the next part, verses 4 to 10, it's an encouragement for them and for us to keep the faith, which is not always easy. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give to your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declared the Lord. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfil my good promise to bring you back to this place. You see, they're going to their other prophets, they're going to others Asking for a word, but it's not from God. It's, it's a word they, in a sense, want to hear, but it's not the word they need to hear. It's unthinkable for many of them to think that, the, that their God could bless them. It's unthinkable to think in this new place, God's there, this is Babylon. This is this highly pagan place. God's not in this they got a view of God that said he's only going to bless them if they're in Jerusalem. He's only going to bless them in a certain way. And this could easily have led to a conclusion that God's deserted them. However, God's saying, look, it's true. You're not going to be going back to Jerusalem, but even though it's going to be a long time, in the meantime, living such a way that you fear me, that you seek me, that you honour me, and you'll find I'll bless you even in Babylon. The prophets are leading them away from God's plan. But God says, no, keep the faith, even when it's hard. And it's so true, isn't it? It's so true at times when there's upheaval times, when life's not going how we think it should be going, that we sometimes doubt that God's in it. And it can lead us to give up in the upheaval. How many people can you think of that, Life's just been so hard that they just give up. They just stop coming. It just becomes too much, especially when so much time and energy and prayer and and effort has gone into creating the garden, creating the life that you have. When that's taken away, and I've heard myself say it and I've heard others, I just don't have the energy anymore. I just can't keep going. But I love this, keep the faith. The nature of God is always to bless. I love the the, the messages rendering of of Psalm 30, 4-5. It says, All you saints, sing your hearts out to God. Thank him to his face. He gets angry once in a while, but across a lifetime there is only love. The nights of crying your eyes out give way to days of laughter. It's always the Lord's intention to work everything together for good, to bless. Verses like that just our encouragement to, at the very least, find hope in the days ahead. And thank you for that beautiful verse that, or that beautiful prayer, Graham, that you prayed. I was thinking of of um, of one Peter one, where where it talks about we have living hope. We have living hope. A beautiful promise. That, that keep the faith, we can have living hope. And finally, of course, knowing this, knowing that God's in the upheaval, knowing we, can, we are encouraged to keep the faith, have living hope, we're left with a choice. Verses 11 to 13, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God never lies. Nor does he promise anything he can't make happen. Verse 11 he talks about the plans he has for these exiled Israelites. They involve things like prosperity. They involve hope, safety way into the future there's a promise that this will happen. It's not going to be a ride in the park. It's not going to be like they knew it. But he promises his motivation is blessing. That's what motivates God to work in their lives. But here's the crunch. Verses 12 to 13, he's basically saying, but it's up to you. It's up to you. He isn't wanting half-hearted commitment here. He doesn't want us just to sing one thing and then in our hearts, be full of doubt, be full of, yeah, right, you know, I don't believe that. Seek God with all your heart. Put in the hard yards, and they'll see that the prayers they offer will be powerful and effective. I love that. You know, call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You know, with, with hearts fully committed to God, that this upheaval and this displacement will make sense, it won't go on forever. They can expect God to come through. And I know historically that this happened, Daniel 9.2. Daniel says, I was just reading Jeremiah one day and I came across this passage that said in 70 years God will restore and he realises that 70 years has gone. So historically this happened for them. But this was decades in the future, wasn't it? This is like 70 years, I'll restore you. We have strength for today bright hope for tomorrow through, through that. Thank you for going for that prayer, just through what the Lord Jesus has done for us. We are just so blessed that we can have bright hope for tomorrow, not for decades and decades and decades in the future, but for tomorrow. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Isn't that beautiful to hold on to no matter what, has gone on in our lives no matter what we've, we've done, that there's bright hope for tomorrow. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That fills me with hope for our future. But what about the crunch? Put in the hard yards. Don't make half-hearted commitments. It's up to us individually and as a church, up to us to say, okay, there may have been upheaval, but God, you can take us forward. Prosperity, safety, isn't that a beautiful promise to hold on to, that God would allow us to prosper in everything we do, lead us into a future full of hope, full of effectiveness. I'd like to pray for us as a church. It's going to be similar to the prayers I found myself praying a couple of weeks ago. I pray, I really do pray. The Holy Spirit just reaches each and every one of us where we are this morning. Maybe Tim, I just, I just really love. I love this man's playing. I think he's just such an anointed player. Just as I pray, thank you, Lord God. That beautiful promise, Lord, that your steadfast love never ceases. Your mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That was written by Jeremiah as he looked around and just saw Jerusalem in ruins. This beautiful promise that that from the ruins, from the ashes, you can do a new thing. You can do an amazing thing an awesome thing, Lord God. Lord, you know us so personally, so intimately. And Lord, I pray just as you did with me at that lake, Lord God, you just convicted me, that that conviction that I could have acted better that I could have spoken better, that I could have um, kept my mouth shut, that, Lord, that there were things that I didn't let go of, things that even today, even up until two weeks ago, I was holding on to. Lord, you know the plans you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that we're we're lives have been upheaved. Lives have been just, people's lives here have just been thrown to the wind. That Lord, where everything was going so well, all of a sudden things have just gone haywire. That Lord, you're in the upheaval. And I pray you just minister to people right now, Lord, that, that, that they can be encouraged to keep that faith. Lord, this is a word from you this morning that, that you, you are in the midst. You, you do have wonderful plans for each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray for our hearts. Lord God, I, I pray that where um, hearts are calloused, hearts have become calloused, hearts have become hardened Lord God that you would give us a new heart this morning Lord God that, that it's a heart of flesh not a heart of stone Lord all those calluses, all those hardened things that we've done, that the that, that offences that, that we've caused or that have been caused to us would be surrendered to you Lord God Lord I thank you, I thank you for the 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 words of Jesus that say, you know, we have been forgiven much and that that longing we have to be able to forgive completely those that offend us. Lord, I pray for those reactions. Reactions that have happened maybe even in this church, Lord. Reactions to things that have gone on. That, Lord, yeah, we just come to you with our hearts this morning, hearts that are just so completely offered and surrendered to you, that, Lord, indeed it can be a clean slate. And, Lord, we do repent. We repent deeply for those times where that, that you convict us of that, that have offended you instead of acting or reacting the way you would have us react. We, we've caused you grief against you alone, Lord God. You've seen our hearts. You've seen the thoughts with thought. And I pray, Lord, we can just surrender those to you. And if, thank you through the precious blood of Jesus we can be cleansed and purified from those sins. Lord, you know, you know, even even now people will be thinking, Yeah, but yeah, but that's too hard. That's that that's too simplistic. Lord, you even see that, Lord, yet promises this morning you will work together everything for the good of those you love we just worship you this morning Lord we thank you for your unfailing love and we do pray Lord for, for hope living hope for us individually as families as the family of God here in, in Blackheath Baps we pray for your hope bright hope for tomorrow Lord, we surrender. And I pray, Lord, you, you continue to minister. You know, Lord, where people need to, to, to process and, and, and be able to have an opportunity to work through these things. So that Those opportunities happen, Lord God. Because, Lord, we, we long to be those that keep the faith. Here in the Upper Blue Mountains, we long to be that place that's kept the faith, fought the good fight, run a good race, Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this morning and, and this opportunity to have a clean slate. Purify us, Lord. Purify us in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It would be wonderful and fitting for us to, to sing a song of praise.